you know, that's one of the nice things is that spirit really is always in the now, in the moment. And when we can always bring ourselves present, to always live in the moment, that's how we move beyond the realm of time and space, is this always come into the now. And that's what keeps things fresh. That's what keeps it alive. That's what keeps the river of loving flowing. It's whenever we fall out of that flow, whenever we fall out of the moment, so to speak, by allowing ourselves to get distracted by the realm of time and space, the mind, the emotions, the body, the imagination, that we come into a place of stagnation. We're now, we're living in the past. Or if our imagination is trying to picture something in the future, it's the same type of process where, in a sense, we've shut off from living the moment of the flow of God's loving, where we now have placed ourselves sometime in the realm of time. And any time we do that, really, we've just now closed the door to allow that greater movement of loving that truly only exists in the moment, right here, right now, right here, right now, right now, right now. And we can't even call the moment, because even when we use the word moment, it's referring to time. So really, it's just being present. Just being present, aware, and alive to that movement of loving within you at any time, at any moment, however that is, wherever that is whoever you're with, whatever you're experiencing. It's always simply the inner focus. I always like to call it like an open-eyed meditation. Whenever I walk through the day doing whatever I'm doing, I'm always holding my attention here at the seat of the soul so that I am awake and aware to that movement of loving, however it's flowing in the moment. It's always the same movement. It's always the same river of loving. But the expression of that as it comes into this realm of time and space will be whatever it's going to be in the moment. And the more you allow yourself to live in that flow, then life is really a joy to live. And then that creative flow that is truly our nature begins to enliven, begins to wake up, where it begins to take on a greater life within us so that we really live in that greater life. Those are the living waters. That's the divine river of loving. So the more we allow ourselves to move in that river of loving, that river will take us upon our journey of life to experience what our soul has come into this realm to experience. We don't need to force it. We don't need to make it be any certain way. We just simply allow it. We just allow ourselves to awaken to that movement of loving. And we do that simply by holding our focus at the seat of the soul and wake up. Simply pay attention and wake up. And the more we do that, the more we come alive, the more life seems to take on a greater light, a greater blessing, a greater ease. Because truly it does, because in that way we truly are living life and not living the world, not living the body, not living the mind, the emotions, or the imagination, but living life itself, living that river of loving. If you can really get the picture of like a river, if you get in the river, the river will carry you. You don't need to carry yourself. You just need to get in the river. So get in the river and enjoy the ride. The buoyancy, the flotation, the experience, the movement, the freshness, the aliveness, there's always a movement. Sometimes that movement is rapid and waterfalls and other times that movement is peaceful, tranquil, slow. Sometimes it's rapid. That's life. Don't try to control it. Don't make any experience wrong or bad that this isn't supposed to happen. This isn't the way it should be. Allow even those moments 
to be okay because they are part of life. Otherwise, you would not be experiencing them. It's when we move into fear or judgment of our experience that we begin to shut down. And it's in the shutting down that we go into despair, into depression, into pain, and all the problems that come with the world because we have shut down within ourselves to that divine movement of that river of loving. It's really a joyous occasion once we begin to awaken, once we begin to once again open that door, stepping into that river of loving and getting upon that journey again. And then life does take on a new light. Even if your physical life doesn't seem to change much, inwardly it will change. You'll experience it, you'll see it in a whole different way. It'll be fresh, it'll be new. Every day is a new day. It'll be alive, it'll be joyful. There'll be a greater ease, even in your challenges. Because the challenges don't go away, but they do become easier when you really live in the loving. You'll see it in a different way. You'll see this is also part of God's creation that we've come into experience. And it's through our experience that we come into the greater knowing. It's when we allow ourselves to get caught up in the illusion and not really trusting, not allowing ourselves to really accept that this is part of life, this is part of God's creation, that we begin to shut off that we begin to shut down and experience what we call the negative or the bad. So anytime you find yourself moving into the shutting down, the negative, the bad, just remind yourself this too is a part of God's experience. This too is a part of God. And all I need to do is allow myself to move into acceptance. And through that acceptance, that door once again opens within you this door, where the spirit of life of who you really are once again awakens, and as it awakens, you come into the greater knowing. And the more you live in that greater knowing and the movement of that loving, that loving, just like in the meditation we just did, will come down into and filter through all the realms of illusion, all the despair, the darkness, the negative, what we have judged or feared or doubted. That light of loving will just move right on in, filter through. You'll begin to see and to come awake, to know what the illusion is. Because that's part of the experience here, is to know the illusion. And it's through our experience we come into that knowing. Because who we truly are is that light of loving. And so as that light of loving of who we are moves into and through these realms of illusion, we come into the knowing of the illusion as this aspect of God's creation. That's why we're here, is simply to get to know God, because this is an aspect of God. So when we allow ourselves to experience this aspect of God by truly living that light of loving who we are, we come into the knowing. We come into the greater expansion. And it's through that how we come into the oneness with God in the greater fullness in the greater awakening, to truly know ourselves as one with God, as one with our Creator, as one who we are as that Creator within us. So live in the moment, live in the now, and simply pay attention to the movement of spirit. Don't be so concerned or caught up into what you think things should be like, what your ideals are, what your expectations, what your own desires are, 
See if you can begin to let go of those. Let go of the expectations. Let go of the wants, the needs, the concerns, the worries. Let go and see what happens. What I would highly suggest in the letting go that you simply bring your attention to the seat of the soul because then when you do that, when you see what happens, it's going to be a much nicer experience than if you let your attention go somewhere else in that way. So it's important to pay attention to that. When you do let go, where do you allow your attention to go? Where do you hold your focus? That's in a very, very important part of this process. It's not just let go. When we say let go and let God, well, we've got to come to God within us if we're really going to let God. And so this is a place by which God comes into our inner experience, into this world, is here. So bring your attention here when you let go. And then you truly can let God, and then it will be all good, no matter what it is. It will be good simply because we are holding our focus on God. So hold your focus on God. Hold it on the good. And you'll really wake up and begin to see the good in all of life, all of experience, even in this physical world, and all the things that seem so unjust, so horrible or terrible, you'll begin to actually see the good. Because when you allow yourself to awaken to the God within you, you'll begin to see the God within all things. And then life really does take on that freshness, that aliveness of living in the moment by seeing the God within all things, that God has created all things, and is simply that divine river of loving of all of creation, not just of who we are, but all of creation and the God within all things, that truly that river of loving is moving through all of God's creation. And we are just a drop in the ocean, a drop in the river. But that river is truly a part of God's ocean because it is that river that brings us to the ocean. That river of loving is the movement of God's consciousness as it comes into the realms of time and space. It is not separate from God. It is not different than the ocean of loving and mercy. It is simply an expression of that ocean. If you think of the ocean as this one big body of water and as a river, it's a narrowly focused movement of that big body of water. It's still the same. It's still the same. But what we want to do is get upon the river and allow the river to carry us back into the ocean, into the greater fullness, because the river is just a part of that greater fullness. It is the same right here, right now. It is that ocean of love and mercy as it moves into and through the realms of the mind, the emotions, the body. But if we bring ourselves into that river, that river will carry us on back into the ocean, into the greater fullness in the experience, that's where we wake up and truly know ourselves in the fullness of the oneness. When we are awake to the river, we may not be awake to the fullness, but we are awake to the river. But where we'll be awake is in that place in the river upon whatever level of consciousness that may be, whether that river is in the mind whether the river is in the emotions, or the imagination, the body, the unconscious, as long as we're in that river, it's a joyful ride. It's a wonderful journey. 
And that's how you come to know God's loving is right here, even in the body, right at the seat of the soul because that river is right here. So get in the river. Get your feet wet. When you feel comfortable, dive in. Do it the way that works for you. Allow it to unfold gradually. Or if you're one of those people that just loves to go ahead and dive in, dive in. Because what's important is your experience. It's only through the doing, only through you allowing yourself to experience that movement of the divine that you will wake up, that you will come into the knowing of what that really is. But before then, you may need to test the waters. You may need to check things out. You may need to study, to listen, to hear. And then when you're ready, you'll be ready. That'll be the day you decide to get your feet wet. You decide to step into that river of loving. And when you have the experience of what that's like, I know you'll want more. And so you get in a little deeper and a little deeper. Allow it to be okay however that works for you. You don't have to do it the way somebody else is doing it. You really don't. Do it the way that works for you. If you're one of those people like me who just loves to dive in, go dive in. If you want to just do a toe at a time, and a finger, and maybe a foot, do it that way. Don't make your process like somebody else's. Listen. Enjoy other people's processes. Enjoy them sharing their life, their life experience with you. But don't make yours like somebody else's. Allow yours to be yours, however that is. Even when others push against you, trying to make yours like theirs, demanding, expecting, let it be okay. That's just their process. Just love them for who they are and whatever they're sharing. But don't take it on as yours. Don't make it your own. Allow yourself your own. And allow them theirs. If theirs is pushing and demanding, let it be okay. Don't judge them. Don't make them wrong. Love them in their experience. Love them in their process. Allow them the space by which they can learn and grow through their experience. But if you're going to do that for others, then have the loving, the courtesy, the acceptance to allow yourself the same thing. Do the same for yourself. Sometimes we find it easier to do for others, to love others, but yet we may be hard on ourselves. We may not accept or love ourselves in our own process. So begin to find a way to love and accept yourself and your process, however that is unfolding for you. Move into that greater loving. Really move into the acceptance. Whenever you find yourself being hard on yourself or judging yourself, just say, you know what? It's okay that I'm judging myself. Don't even make the judgment wrong. Don't judge the judgment, is the way I used to say. When I used to get into judgment, then I judged that I was judging. But then I started at the first step. The first step was, let it be okay that I'm judging. It's okay that I'm judging. This is part of the experience that comes with this realm. So I'm experiencing that. It's okay. Actually, it's good that I'm experiencing that because then in that experience is how I will awaken into the greater knowing of what this creation is and what comes with it. And then it really is okay. And then once you move into the okayness, it actually becomes good. 
You go, oh my gosh, well, this is good. I'm experiencing these things that I thought were so bad. What was so bad is because I made them wrong. I didn't allow them to be okay that this too is an aspect of God. This is part of God's creation. And I've come here to experience this, to discover the greater beingness that I am. So allow yourself the discovery. And it really does become a joyful journey if you allow yourself the discovery of all of life experience, of all of God's experience. It's really simple. Allow it to be simple. Allow it to be okay. In the okayness is where you'll really begin to discover God, because God's okay. Okay, and it's on the gym. <laughs> well, one thing that came very present this morning in meditation was a question that was first written by William Shakespeare some 400 years ago. And the question is, to be or not to be? That is the question. And in truth, that is the question that we are all here contemplating in life. To be or not to be? Rumi put it this way, wake up. Wake up and don't go back to sleep. It's the exact same statement. It's wake up, be, or go back to sleep, not to be. And the question is, what are you choosing to do? Are you choosing to wake up? Are you choosing to be present? Are you choosing to look inward and upward towards the Lord? Or are you choosing to look downward, choosing to go asleep? choosing to be a part of this creation and live in separation from the truth of that beingness that we can wake up into if we choose to. So it was very interesting to hear him stand in my meditation asking to be or not to be. That is the question. And as I began to contemplate that myself and see just how have I lived that statement, that question, how have I pursued the answer? How have I come to live the answer that I have found for myself to be true? It was a very interesting process. One thing I remembered very clearly when I was a child and on into my teens and early 20s was I never talked about I. I did this. This is who I am. I always referred to myself in the statement of we. We are this, we believe this, this is what we're doing. And the reason I said that in that term was I knew different parts of self. I knew the child within, I knew the conscious self or the active mind at this level. I knew the higher mind, which often people call the high self. And then I knew the soul. And so to me, there was these four qualities of self and at any given time, one was more predominant than the other. And so when I was living my life, I was living as the we. And then it was up to me to pay attention to which part of that we is now speaking, is now participating, is now awake, is now participating in life and choosing to be the one that's most active and present. And so as I was looking at that in my meditation today, I realized that as a child when I would pray to God and I would sit 
with God and talk with God, I talk from that consciousness of the we. We come before you now, O Lord God, asking for your loving presence to be here. And I never thought about it until just now in my meditation how that must have been if I had ever spoken it out loud and somebody overheard me, nobody else around, but saying, we now come before you. We now open ourselves to you. We now ask of this to you. It was a very interesting dynamic to realize that there were different times that I was coming more from the child within, asking of God, wanting of God, needing of God, certain things that the child wants. There were certain times where I was coming forward for more of the conscious mind, trying to understand, trying to figure out, wanting it my way, sometimes coming from the high self or the high mind, where clarity was more present, more understanding was available, and there was more of an openness and a looking inward and upward towards the Lord, rather than down and out into this creation and trying to find resolution and fulfillment. And then there were times where it was my soul that was praying. It was my soul that was speaking to God. It was my soul that was present and alive in that moment. And then it wasn't asking, it wasn't seeking, it wasn't anything other than just being in the loving with the Lord and just sharing my love with God. So as I was looking at this, I realized that even now in my meditations, that in truth, there's the we that is participating. It isn't just I. It is we. And it's for me to ever pay attention to which part of we is most present, most participating in this action of meditation, and is this the action by which I want to move into my meditation. There are times in meditation where you may find that that child in you is truly the predominant force, the predominant focus by which you're living in this moment. And in that moment, there is really the call out to God for help, for assistance, for your toys of life, or whatever it might be. Let that be okay if it's the child that's present and calling out to God. Remember that, that we make up a wholeness, a completeness, the we of the child, the conscious mind, the high mind, and the soul. The key in all that is to remember to always lift up and raise back up to the soul first. Let the soul be the predominant force by which we live, by which we move, by which we are present. And today when I was in meditation, I realized how often I still do wander through life, living from those other aspects of self, the mind often dwelling on things, trying to figure things out, trying to understand. The child inside of me going, but now, now I want a new car, you know, I, the new toy in my life. Or the high self even coming in and sharing some of its understanding of the divine wisdom, ever inspiring me to go higher, but still it's not the soul that's present. It's not the soul that's expressing itself first 
in all of my life. And so as I was in meditation, I found myself going into that place where I used to go as a child, not meditating and just holding my loving with God and chanting the unspoken name of God inside in an expression of loving and opening to receive that loving. I found myself going to that place of the child and starting to talk as a child to God. And that's a good place to be because we all are children of God. And there's a wonderful innocence in that child quality that we all are at this level. But I also found that as I was speaking as the child, there was a part of me that was incomplete. There was a part of me that was still wanting and needing. And I found myself, as I began to go into my meditation, to go into that experience, I found myself finally waking up inside to that place of, wait a minute, where am I speaking from right now? Who, who's in charge of this meditation? And I realized that I wanted to bring my attention first and foremost up to the seat of the soul, where that divine spark of the soul resides, and let myself speak from that part of me, the soul of me. And as I began to do that, and I lifted up into that divine place that is soul, and began to speak with God there, it was a very different conversation. And it was also a very different focus. The child, the conscious mind, the high mind or the high self, they all are still focusing down into this creation, down into this world, trying to find solution, understanding, resolution of some kind. But at the soul level, the soul once it begins to discover that path of loving, that path of freedom, that path of liberation, it is ever looking upward. It is ever looking to God first. And if we will begin to allow ourselves to ever remind ourselves not to live in any other consciousness but soul, that divine essence of loving that we are, that true child of God that we are, and live more from that place first, then our lives will begin to flow in a different way. Oftentimes, the child will feel separation. It will feel separation from others, and it will feel separation from self. Because the child isn't a participant in the level of the mind. The child is truly that essence of playfulness, of innocence that exists within us. And it is in the child that we often can discover a lot of the qualities of our godliness if we allow that to truly manifest in its innocent loving state and to be the playful child of God that we are. The mind doesn't really understand the child. It lives often very caught up in its own self, ever running, running, running. I'm sure many of you, if not all of you, know the mind and how it never shuts up. It always is asking for more. It's always telling you more. It knows better than anything else. 
And it just goes on and on and on. The mind doesn't know how to be playful. It doesn't know how to participate. It doesn't know or understand how to live in innocence. For it is ever demonstrating itself as the all-knowing. I know better than you. Oh, I know that. Don't, you don't have to go into that now. I know, I know all that. In truth, you may not. But the mind always comes in and says, Oh, I know that. Don't, you don't have to explain it. And then we walk away going, Golly, I wish I would have let them explain it because I don't know how to get there now. And so we want to pay attention to just how we are living. Are we living in compartments that are really in separation from each other? Or are we living in a wholeness? The wholeness is where the soul is the predominant focus, the predominant force, the predominant action. And the soul's predominant action is loving God, having God first before all things. And in that action of loving God, everything else comes into alignment, comes into order. And we begin to be, we begin to be that divine self, that living action of loving. And then all the qualities of this human self, this physical creative self, the child, the mind, the high mind, or the high self, begin to also come into alignment with that divine loving. And that's the only time that we move into this alignment, where all these qualities of self do not live in separation, but they begin to live in a wholeness and in one action. And that one action comes about because all of these qualities of self begin to look upward with the soul to God and putting God first rather than putting self first, the little self, the child. And the child knows how to put that quality of self first. Yeah, but I want, but I need. What are you talking about? Why can't I have it? And the mind is ever in separation, demanding, expressing, knowing, knowing better than you. And so it's for us to begin to look and realize that if we want to live in wholeness and truly to be that which William Shakespeare was speaking of, it's to live from the soul first. Have no other gods before me. Well, if the divine spark that resides here at the seat of the soul is the Lord God in this creation, here to have experience. Do you have other gods before this divine spark called the child, the mind, the high self? Do you let them be the predominant force by which you live and dwell and move and act and react and have experience in all these levels of self? Or do you ever look up to soul first, God first, and then let that divine action of knowing, of loving, of joy, of peace that is the soul, that is God dwelling in you, have clear expression and freedom through the high self, in and through the mind, 
in and through that child. Then it isn't we. It is I. Then it is one. And that is when you truly enter into the divine flow, that divine river of loving. It is then that the soul is truly able to express loving not just to God of all creation, but to God living and dwelling here in this creation, loving all these parts of self, all these qualities that allow the soul to have experience in this creation. And in loving all these parts, they come into harmony, they come into oneness, they begin to work together rather than live in separation. And then you don't have a we anymore. It's not we believe, we're doing, we want. It is I. I choose. I am. And so, as I was meditating, I realized how profound it is and how true it is in that one statement, have no other gods before me. And I realized that as a child and into my teens and into my early 20s, as I was still speaking about myself as the we, I had other gods before the Lord God here at the seat of the soul, the divine spark, and the Lord God of all creation. Because I lived in the we, and sometimes it was the child, and sometimes it was the mind, and sometimes it was the high self. But those components often will not allow the soul to come in and have expression. Because the moment they do, they lose authority at the level that they reside. They have given their authority away to the divine creator inside. And now they must look up for what action they are to participate in. And that's the beauty about meditation. In our meditation, we are ever saying, look up, look up, look up here to the seat of the soul, to that divine spark that is God residing in you. And in looking up, eventually, the child, the mind, and the high self will also begin to hold its attention upward. It will begin to understand that we are now coming into alignment with a greater truth a greater presence than they are and begin to participate with that action of looking up. And as we hold our attention looking up and we begin to truly wake up and know who we truly are in that state of beingness that is soul, there is also an action of movement that is the beginning of the movement of the river of loving where the soul now begins to share itself down into that high self, into the mind quality, and into the divine child within, and begins to share its loving, bringing a movement of loving now between these components of self. And that movement of loving brings it into oneness and brings it into the I, the I am. Then... And in truth, only then can we truly begin to look up to the divine creator of all 
and say, I, Lord God, now am open to sharing my loving with the divine creator of all, the divine creator of me, and I'm open to receive your loving. And then we truly are a participant in that which God created soul for. God created us for one action, and one action only, loving. And that is the one action that we are to move back into once again. We have forgotten that. All we have to do is remember it. All we have to do is wake up once again to the truth of who we are as the divine, living, loving essence of the Lord. To be or not to be. Wake up and don't go back to sleep. It's the very same statement, just different approaches of understanding, different ways of sharing the same truth. So it's for each of us to find within ourselves where do we want to live from and where are we living from in each moment. I'm sure if you talk to any true spiritual teacher they will tell you that there are times when they are living in the divine loving essence of the Lord that is the soul within them and they are sharing from that place and there are times when they're not. I would dare say it is not impossible but it is challenging to ever live from soul first in this creation because there is so much that is thrown at us, that comes at us that rises up from within us, from those other aspects other than soul, that is ever pulling, pushing, prodding, demanding, expecting, wanting, whatever. And it's not uncommon to get distracted, to get lost, to go back into old habit patterns and to live from a different place than our own soul. But all we have to do once again is to make a choice to choose back into that loving, loving God, holding God first in all things, inviting the God within us to live in us and through us, to participate with us and through us, to do in us and through us, to align us in such a way that truly we are living, I am. I am divine. I am the soul. I am a child of God. I am the living, loving essence of the Lord. And it is wonderful to live from that place of I am, of that place of being, to be that living child of loving that is the child of God. So, in our daily lives, in our meditations for sure, always look up. Always look up to that divine spark that resides within. Always look up. And when those things that stir inside of us called our child, our mind, our high self, and they start calling us to look down and get caught up in their conversation, in their actions, in their wants and needs, it's for us to say, no, you join me now in looking up into the divine self that I am. For that's who I am. I am not you. And I am not going to live you first. 
I am of God. I am a divine spark of God. I am an expression, an experience of God in this creation. And I am going to live God first and God only. If we begin to do that more and more in our meditation and then take that out into our daily lives, your life will change. Your attitudes will be very different. Your approach to life will be amazingly different. And then you will truly understand the simplicity of living in spirit and how simple life can be in this creation. And then the challenge is this. The mind doesn't understand simplicity. It doesn't like simplicity. It likes things complex. It likes things difficult and hard. It likes challenge. And so it will ever invite us back into those things that are of the mind and ever see things as challenge and difficult and obstacle and whatever else it might appear to be for us. When that comes up, just say, you know, mind, I'm not doing you anymore that way. I'm not doing you first. It's God first and God only. Soul first and soul only. Divine spark first and the divine child only. For I now know what it is to be or going to be. You are a part of that consciousness that is not to be. You are the part that distracts me and pulls me down into separation, into looking away from the Lord. And I'm not going to do that anymore. Share with them. But in sharing with them, don't make them wrong and don't create separation, but rather involve them in your process. Invite them into the process by loving them. Loving them as they've never been loved before. And when that child and that mind and that high self begins to experience the love of the soul within, loving them and bringing them into one, bringing them into wholeness, bringing them into participation with God experiencing in this creation, then something truly wondrous happens. Where before in your meditation, you may have been struggling to hold your attention here to the seat of the soul, Oh, I've got to look up. I've got to keep looking up. What am I doing? Where am I going? Why am I focusing downward? All of a sudden, every other component of self, the child, the mind, the high self, will also be looking up because they want nothing more in truth than loving. What are we looking for out here in this creation? Loving. And we look for it in different ways in different times. The child is looking for loving. The mind is looking for loving. The high self is looking for loving. Looking down and out into this creation, hoping somewhere, somehow, someday, some lifetime, I will truly find it. There's a wondrous thing that happens when the soul begins to love them into oneness, into loving. And they begin to experience what they have been longing for for so long to be fulfilled. They begin to remind us, hey, we haven't meditated yet. Where are you going? Sit back down. 
No, no, not long enough. Got to sit along here. We haven't got the loving lined up yet. Sit down. Get quiet. Shut up. Listen to what's going on upstairs. Pay attention up there. That's where we want to focus. All of a sudden, there will be a day where you will realize the source of loving and you will realize that that's the loving you've ever been longing for and searching for. And you will realize you don't have to go into the world to find it. You just go inside. And if you're missing it, you just go inside. And if you want more of it, you just go inside. And it doesn't mean sitting down and closing your eyes and meditating, because you can do it with your eyes open, driving down the street, shopping in the grocery store, talking on the phone. All you have to do is look up and go, hey, hi. I am who I am. I am soul first. I am divine first and only. And that is who I am. And that is who I am living. And if you find yourself feeling separated from that loving, wherever you are in that separation, the child, the mind, or the high self, love them. Love that part that is in separation. Even if it's not in that moment where you know you're in connection with the I am, the soul, the divine spark, just say, I love you. I love you so much. And if I have forgotten you, if I have separated myself from you, if I am not participating with you, please know right now, I am in loving with you. And I ask you to participate with me in loving. And let's do this together. Let's do this in oneness. The more you do that, the more you're going to come into the harmony and the flow and the joy of life. It's amazing to experience that movement of loving, that movement of oneness, that movement of soul. I remember when I was meditating one time and I began to move more into this divine loving. And I heard something that began me on a new little bit of a search. I heard, I am that I am. We've all heard that. Throughout our lifetime, we've heard references to that statement, I am that I am. And I began a search to understand more, well, what is I am that I am? Who is I am that I am? Why do we say that? And how do we live that? And so I began a search, a quest, both inside to understand I am that I am, because here I was becoming I am. I was becoming aligned and one. It's no longer we, it's I. It's not we are doing, I am doing. But now there was this other part of a statement, I am that I am. What does that really mean, and how do I begin to live into that? So... At first, I began a quest on my own, trying to find materials and books to understand it, going inside and asking for understanding from within, at that divine place where the soul resides. And finally, I got an answer. But it was a very interesting answer. Inside, I heard, I am that I am is not in a book, even though it is. I am that I am is not in the world, even though it is. 
I am that I am, and a greater understanding resides somewhere for you to find. And I came out of my meditation, my prayer state at that time, thinking at first I had an answer. I went, oh wow, now I know. And then I realized, no, it still said I had to find it. But it didn't say where to find it. And I'm going, oh great, you know, the quest is still on, it's not over. And I got from that statement that I am that I am is everywhere. It dwells everywhere. But I still wanted a further understanding. I needed a different statement, a different wording on it to really understand it. So I decided, well, I'm going to go to the source. Not the source inside where God resides. I'm going to go to the source in the world where they keep talking about it. So I went to three different churches. I went to a Catholic church, a Presbyterian church, and I went to what was then what would be called now an evangelical church, a Pentecostal church. And I asked each of the ministers, can you tell me about I am that I am that I might truly understand it and be able to experience it fuller? And they gave me all these words and all these definitions and trying to tell me the I am that I am. And I got three different statements, three different understandings from these three different ministers according to how they had been taught in the world. And then I decided I had one other source I hadn't gone to and that was the synagogue to a rabbi to sit and to ask him, who is it that I am that I am? And he says, that is the question. Just as William Shakespeare said, to be or not to be is the question. And when he said that, I felt a stirring inside that an answer was going to come. And he says, let's open this book of Jewish terms, of Jewish statements. And he began flipping the pages, and he said, here, right here, this is what Moses really spoke of. He didn't say, I am that I am. He said, when he asked God, who are you, and who do I say sent me? He said, God said, that which is. In the Hebrew translation, that's how it truly translates, that which is. When I heard that, I understood who I am that I am is, that which is. That which is residing right here. That which is the source of all creation. That which is God in manifestation throughout all of existence. And I began to realize that God doesn't refer to God as self or as male or as female, but God refers to self as that, that which is. If you begin to contemplate that in your meditation, you will find a powerful opening to a wondrous, wondrous land that resides inside, that is great joy and great peace and loving, the most powerful, profound loving that you can ever know. Then, in my second part of my meditation, William Shakespeare came present and said, What light through yonder window breaks? 
And I began to go inside. I've got to go back and read Shakespeare. I've got to go back and pull out all the questions he ever asked in all of his different plays and see if I can begin to find his mystical teachings. Because he was a teacher of the inner light and sound. He was one who initiated those in the theatrical arena into a path of meditation, into the inner path of knowing and experiencing God within. And in all of his writings are his mystical teachings. Just as in all the writings of Rumi or Kabran or Hafiz or Kabir or Nanak are all the mystical teachings of those particular teachers. And so now I'm curious. I'm going to go back and begin to look at all the questions because it seems like he's asking the questions. And that's what I've always found inside. And that's what I found with my first spiritual teacher. He never answered any question I asked. And I have not found God always answering the questions that I ask. I always get another question. What do you think? What's true for you? What do you believe? Where do you think that resides? Well, how are you going to find that? And so when Shakespeare asks this next question, I began to look at the question and the words in the question. What light through yonder window breaks? This is the window, that tenth door. It is also referred to as a window. And what we are ever doing in meditation is we're looking inward and upward, looking inward and upward to see first that divine light, that light that breaks through yonder window. To see that light, to know that light, and to hold our focus on that light so that that light gets brighter and brighter and brighter. And it seems to get closer and closer and closer. He was asking everyone, to be or not to be, that is the question. And if it is you want to be, then begin to look for that light through that yonder window. That yonder window, why did he say yonder? A distance, not up close. It's because the mind, the child, the high self, they live in a focus downward and outward. They live caught up in this creation. And the realm of soul and spirit is yonder. It's a ways away from those parts of this creation. And so he was saying that if you truly want to see the light that breaks through that yonder window, you've got to find the yonder window. You've got to look to that place where the window resides to see that inner light, that true light of the divine soul that you are, that divine spark. And so I'm now on a new quest. I'm going to sit down. Thank God I have a computer that will help me to do this. And I can begin to search through Shakespeare's plays. And first I'm going to pull out the questions just to see what are those questions and do they come together as a great teaching? I don't know. I'm very curious now to see. But today he taught me a lot about myself and helped me to remember a lot about myself and my 
spiritual journey by asking me these two questions. And he also reminded me that my first spiritual teacher always asked questions, and that's how I got the answer. Not that he gave me the answers, but he stimulated me to go back inside and find the answer for myself. And that's really a key on this journey as well. Don't keep looking outside yourself, out into this world, for the answers. Don't go ask everybody, well, what are you doing? Why are you doing it that way? How should I do this? Do you think I'm doing this right? But look inside. Look inside. And at first, if you're not in touch with that divine spark inside yourself, look inside and ask every part of yourself the same question. The question that you are asking out here. Ask inside. When I was a child, I called it the me, myself, and I. And then that which loves God. Me, myself, and I. So I would go inside and I would ask the child inside the question. I would ask the conscious mind the question. I would ask the high self the question. I would ask the soul the question. Seeing what answers would come forward. Not so much as a child, but when I was in my teens and I had my first spiritual teacher showing me how this worked, demonstrating it to me by never answering but just asking questions. So I began to ask these components of self questions. And it was amazing the answers I would get. And it was also rather disturbing because I'd get several different answers. The child would answer one way. The mind would answer another the high self would go yet another direction with it. And then there was the answer of the soul. Well, at first I would find I would pick the answer I liked the best. And I would pursue whatever that answer was. I found after a while I wasn't choosing into the answer that the soul gave me very often. Because the soul was ever bringing me back to being responsible for my thoughts and my feelings, my actions and my reactions, and helping me to realize that if I want something in my life, I've got to create it. I'm the divine creator. Create it for yourself. Don't look to others to create it for you. You do it. Well, I liked it the way the child would put it. Well, go ask mom and dad for it. They'll get it for you. They always have. And so that would often be the answer I would go with first if it had to do with material things in this world. If it had to do with things of understanding, oftentimes I would settle with the mind and the answer it would give me. Because it didn't often give me responsibility. It just gave me an answer in the moment that sort of quieted down the energy of the question. It didn't answer it really. It didn't solve the situation. But it at least distracted me from the disturbance, from the question, from the doubt, from whatever, for a while. But the soul always was reminding me to be loving, to be forgiving, to be accepting. The soul was ever reminding me, well, what did you do to create this for yourself? What do you have between you and the Lord right now? Are you being loving? Are you accepting yourself? Are you honoring the truth of who you really are as soul. And it was an amazing process for me, even sitting here today in meditation and realizing 
that there are still times when I'll look to other parts of self than to soul for the answer. Why? I don't want the responsibility. There's that part of me, the child in me, that wants somebody else to do it for me. I don't want to do it. And so it was a fun game to look at that again today and realize that no matter how long you meditate, no matter how long you keep focusing inward and upward to the Lord that dwells within you at the seat of the soul and begin to live more and more from that place, there are those times when you're just going to fall into the other patterns, the old habits, and look down and out for the answer and the solution, either into the world to others or into the world to those other aspects of self that are participants and creations in this world. So look to the source of your own loving. Look to the source of your divinity. Always, always, always. And when you don't, let it be okay, because there'll be days when you don't. There'll be moments when you don't. Let it be okay and love those moments as well and honor them. And learn from them through the experience that you have with that. Don't judge yourself because you're not living the divine soul that you are all the time. I doubt any spiritual teacher, including Jesus, ever lived in the fullness all the time of soul, of the divine. He got angry. He got upset. He got nervous or afraid. He realized at times he needed to run away and get away from the crowds. He got angry and upset and went in through the temple and tore up the temple grounds because of what he saw them doing inside. So if you get upset, if you get fearful and start running away, let that be okay. Maybe that's just a part of the divine expression manifesting itself in a new way, an old way, however way. Learn from it. Learn from every experience and bring it back to the seat of the soul and say, I offer this to you. Does this fit into who we truly are? And you know what? The soul will say every time, yes, this is another part of the puzzle. This is experience. Bring it to me. Bring it to me. If we judge it, the puzzle never gets put together because we're ever hiding or throwing away pieces of the puzzle of our own experience. The soul says, no, no, no. Bring all the experience to me. As I say, the good, the bad, and the ugly. Bring it all, because that completes the picture here. That completes the journey here. That means now you don't have to come back. You can go home to God. You can reside in the realms of soul and spirit forever. So that's the journey. That's the quest. That's the action. Look up. Wake up. Be. Live this life fully. Awake, aware, participating, loving, caring, joyful, enthusiastic in all that you do, in all of your creations. And then you live a life fulfilled. You live a life 
truly in the soul that you are. And you begin to find God living in you and through you at all times. So I close this as I began it. To be or not to be, that is the question. And maybe that could be the next chapter in your journal of what does that mean, to be or not to be, and how am I living that? How am I answering that question each day, each breath, each moment? To be or not to be. And it's wonderful to find and live the answer of that question. Either way, you could answer it to not be, that's my answer, or to be. And either way, it's a wonderful, wonderful experience in the journey of life. Okay, you ready to wake up? So just go ahead and make yourself comfortable. Physically, emotionally, mentally. Just allow things to come quiet. Moving into that inner peace. Just bringing your attention present to the spiritualized center. Allowing the Word of God to begin to live and to resonate within your consciousness. Just allow the sound of the hue to come forward as you hold your focus inwardly and upwards that you begin to hear, that you begin to see. And as the sound, that word of God, through the hue, comes present within you, begin to see the radiant form of the Holy Spirit. It may come forward as a purple or blue light, or maybe a golden white one. However it comes forward, just begin to gaze upon this radiant form, ever observing, listening, and experiencing the divine movement of God's loving as God wishes to share with you at this time. And in a moment, we'll chant to Hugh out loud to just assist and support us into coming into that greater alignment with that river of loving. So continue focusing, awakening more and more as you listen and look upwards, singing that song of love. So just take in a deep breath. Then on the exhale, we'll begin chanting the hue.
Just continue chanting within, observing, listening, and moving with that river of loving, allowing God to lift you into the greater awakening and your oneness in the divine. So just continue the inner journey now, inwards and upwards, riding upon that light and sound.
And so now, wherever you are, just come present, awakening to the inner light and the inner sound, knowing the divine presence in you and through you, that as you live this stream of loving, that is the simplicity, that is the experience of awakening into your beingness, into the knowing of you and God as one. And so in this flow, continue to open to experience the greater light and sound, allowing your consciousness to awaken to the greater experience of the divine. And in this movement of loving, allow yourself to become aware and fully awake of all that is present, of all that is taking place, both in the light of truth and allowing this light of truth to reflect upon the illusion, bringing awareness, bringing awakening to those areas within us that are yet still asleep, still caught up within the illusion, believing that this is the truth. Just allow that light of loving now to come down into and through all these areas within. And as this light of truth begins to filter through the illusion, pay attention, become aware, allowing this light to bring awareness and knowing into that which is of the illusion, that which is of the soul's experience as it has come into this realm of time and space, simply to experience and to awaken to the greater knowing of the divine. And in this movement, if there is yet anything you are aware of within, where there's question, where there's doubt, where there may be fear or judgment, that which you cannot see or are aware of, just allow that light of loving to move into and through these areas, bringing the loving, bringing the acceptance, allowing it all to be okay, knowing that this is yet part of your journey of discovery and awakening. And so allow this light of truth to awaken the illusion that you may learn from all of your experiences that truly everything you experience is a blessing, is simply a process of discovery and awakening to yet a greater knowing of the divine in all of its fullness.
and to awaken to this greater truth. Just know within you that all you need to do is hold your focus on that light of God, that sound, that divine melody, and that through this light and sound that all is revealed, all is experienced in God's loving, and that is all we need to do is to hold the focus on the loving and allow ourselves the experience of the awakening. And so once again, just allow your attention to come present on that light and sound of the divine, holding your focus, observing, experiencing that movement of loving, knowing within that you and God are truly one. We are here simply awakening, coming into the greater knowing of that oneness. And so now just take a minute to just share your loving with God and gratitude and joy and peace however you wish to be in this loving with God. Just share your loving with God now and also open and allow God to share God's loving with you. And after you are complete with this, just allow your attention to come back once again to the seat of the soul, the spiritualized center, holding your focus on the movement of the radiant form, becoming aware of God's presence as it enters into the physical body. Be aware. And as you notice this divine presence, take note of how you experience the movement of God's loving as it comes present at the seat of the soul. Whether you feel it upon the top of the head, the spiritual eye, or you see that radiant light, however that comes present for you, just take note, pay attention, experience and know that movement of the divine.
as you're ready, holding your focus on that inner experience, just open your physical eyes, maintaining that inner awareness, holding to the loving, holding to the inner, that inner movement of the divine. 